Well, hello. Welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Clint Clifton. This podcast is intended to help church planters and sending churches aspiring to make more disciples through church planting. Today we'll be talking with Jeff Christofferson. Jeff's the vice president for the Northeast and Canada of the North American Mission Board, an agency of the Southern Baptist Convention. And Jeff also is a Canadian and a lifelong church planter himself. Uh, Jeff has been planting churches and reproducing churches all over the nation of Canada and doing a tremendous job at it. He's leading the Northeast in Canada uh, through the Send North America initiative and helping to uh, lead Southern Baptist churches to plant other new churches all over, all over those regions. Today, we're going to talk to Jeff about his book, Kingdom Matrix, Designing a Church for the Kingdom of God. So let's see if we can get Jeff on the phone. Jeff here. Hey, Jeff. Are you back now? Yeah. Oh, you're nice and clear, too. Okay, good. Well, that's nice. <laughs> so, Jeff, you've written a book called Kingdom Matrix, and in the book you uh, make uh, several propositions that are that are really helpful and thought-provoking. Um, but one of the things you talk about in the book um, uh, that, that really caught my attention is the difference between uh, gathering, what you call gathering and going or going and gathering. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, sure. Clint, um, I think the knee jerk reaction, most church planters is to, to put a core together and then from that core, uh, seek to go do evangelism. And, um, my, my observation is it seems to work a lot better if you if you sort of reverse that instead of planting a church for evangelism you plant a church from evangelism mm-hmm. and um because the core that you you establish is a, an altogether different core mm-hmm. so the pushback on that would be i'm assuming that you've heard already the pushback on that would be are you, are you saying that that we should build a church out of unregenerate people so is that what you're saying that's what I'm saying. No, I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, I love using the word unregenerate when I yeah. Um the um the, the idea is you you build a church from a community. You take you need a couple Christian leaders, a few Christian families, but if you have to watch your ratios because if your ratios are um so much stacked on the side of of sort of the already converted evangelized evangelical group that enjoy a subculture together and uh, understand the Bible inside and out together. When when that when that group of it if the ratio is so high, um, when when lost people begin to try to permeate into that group, they just instinctively know that they don't fit in. They almost feel like they're a you know, a kindergarten student in the midst of, uh, you know, a college class. And, and you're somebody, somebody stuck, starts a conversation and said, you know, like, like the story of the woman at the well. And, and 98% of the people are nodding their heads and, and the 2% are listening going, what, what story of the woman at the well? You know, they never heard it before. Yeah. And, yeah. 
and uh, and all of a sudden they feel like an outsider. It's only the very extroverted and courageous that will uh, will stick, and and everyone they they tend to bounce off at such high ratios. That's the first problem. Right. The second problem is the core that you have, if it is a core of already converted, um, often have no or very few relationships with lostness. And um, and so they, they don't even know how to go about it. And, uh, and so you start on a maintenance mode so quickly if you, if you are planning to, to plant a church by gathering mostly Christian, and then from there figuring out how we're going to invite lost people to it. Right, right. And, I, you know, I think from a biblical standpoint, when you think about that idea that you're proposing, I think there's, I could imagine initial recoiling at that idea because there's so much emphasis on let's gather Christians together and then send those Christians on mission. And certainly there's an aspect of that which is valuable. But I even think about in Titus when Paul gives instructions to Titus, um, he says, he talks about leaving him in, in crates so that he could put in order what remained. And I just think that's so interesting because what Paul did is he went there and did evangelism. He shared the gospel with people. And then the work of the church planter was to order that out, you know, to put to put to put flesh and bone, put trellis to that. And uh, it's it's so interesting that it was evangelism and then the church emerged out of evangelism. It was. Yeah, well, that uh, that is certainly the. I mean, we weren't instructed to go out and start worship services, and that's what we tend to want to do when we yeah. start with evangelicals first, is, is build a worship service we're all happy and comfortable with, and then try to convince lost people they need to be a part of that. Right. And right. Um, it's not that compelling for most people. <laughs> yeah. You end up having um, two groups that you're working with simultaneously when you, you have your unofficial uh, or inner core, that uh, is, you know, it's the spiritual leadership that's going on that, but you don't make a big deal of it. You right. don't really say, oh, here, you know, you just kind of, everybody's going to know those people there are, are kind of special and they, they understand this, they know this. Then you have this other group of people that, um, that, that all feel like this is theirs and you're taking them on a journey and, um, and you're, you're, you're just watching, watching, these people feel like they belong in this community. And then one by one by one, you see them, the light bulbs go on, they bend their knee to Christ and, uh, and they open up and say, okay, <laughs> is this what I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. What, what's next? And you, you just watch this discipleship, um, ramp up quickly. Right. And, uh, a lot of people object to the idea of, um, starting with lost people first, on pragmatic grounds, saying, "Well, uh, we got to, we have to, we have to get this church up and financially sustainable, and lost people, you know, don't give." And, and so, but it's been my experience that if if you gather, if, if, not always, but often, when you when a church planter kind of puts out a call, a y'all call, <laughs> to be a part of you know their core, and they gather a bunch of already evangelized, the ones that they can shake loose to be a part of them very often aren't um, examples you would want to really point to and say, follow, follow <laughs> them as they follow Christ. Yeah. And, um, and they're not givers. They're not tithers. They've been disobedient for, you know, 20 years of, of their life. And you're going to try to be the guy that changes that. Right. And so it's been my experience when you see a, when you lead a, a new person to faith, 
they're saying, you know, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And uh, you can watch, you know, giving happen quickly right. through uh, through a person person that's not had a you know long established period of disobedience yeah. under sort of a Christian heading. Yeah. Yeah. After reading the book, Jeff, it's clear that you're big passion in life is building a church uh, with a kingdom, b- building churches for the kingdom of God, which is the subtitle of the book. But um, that sort of assumes, that statement sort of assumes that it's possible to plant a church or lead a church that is not for the kingdom of God. So, I mean, t- tell me some practical differences between a church that is built for the kingdom of God and one that's not. Wow. That's a really big question. Um, I mean, you start with the premise that um that Jesus gives us and I think the Bible makes adamantly clear that you know you're either for him or you're against him. There's light and there's darkness. There's there's no um sort of neutral spirituality. And and so everything, every decision my church makes, every decision that I make is influenced by one of two spiritual sources. Um the kingdom of God or or the lies of darkness. And, you know, Jesus is, you know, he's so, so clear on this. And so if that, if that is the case, that as an individual, you know, my decisions are inspired by light or darkness, by God or Satan, and the choices that I make um, sort of push that spiritual realm in whichever direction, if that can be true for me as an individual, how much more so can it be true corporately when we... Um, and so many of the things that Jesus teaches us, he, you know, whoever wants to lose his life will find it. But whoever, or whoever, whoever saves his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall find it. And when you look at, you know, what Jesus is saying there, um, if I lead my church to never lose itself, but only to save itself, to keep itself, to to look after itself, um, then then somewhere along the way, my church has become the kingdom, right. and um, and so when 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 I've replaced the king, because I'm no longer listening to the inspiration of of Christ and the leading of the Holy Spirit, because he he would never lead me to be selfish like that, and so if I if I lead a church that way. I'm, you know, I can't be expanding the kingdom of God. And if I'm not expanding the kingdom of God, what am I expanding? And so we start these things we call churches that appear very much like clubs. And, um, and lost, lost people aren't excited about them. Um, nobody, you know, it's not really all that engaging. There's nothing sacrificial. There's nothing heroic. There's nothing right. dangerous. It's just, uh, uh, it's just a religious, religious club. We call it a church. I don't think Jesus would. Yeah, yeah. So in the book you say, related to that subject, you say the phrase, it's possible to participate in church expansion and unintentionally be against or be an agent for the shrinking of the kingdom of God. Do you really do you really think that? And, and, and what is, how can that be so? Well, yeah, I do really think that. And I was, I was being generous when I'm saying unintentionally because I think often – um you know we we sort of behave as we've been taught so we haven't we haven't often made conscious decisions i'm going to act like this because we you know we just sort of maybe have been modeled that before us but um 
mean, when you think what the Church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be, um, it, it's supposed to have a transforming effect. Jesus calls it yeast, mm-hmm. and uh, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, and, and it permeates through the whole lump of dough, or the kingdom of heaven is, is like a mustard seed, and it just grows and grows and grows until all the birds of the air perch on the branches. The, the the pictures that he gives us of what what a church that is kingdom centric, not uh, you know not church centric, but kingdom centric, that it gives itself away, it it changes everything that's around it. Mm-hmm. So um, often, I mean, I looked at that study that uh, that European media outlet rolled out for us that took the highest highest city that had the most churches per capita, most Christians per capita of any urban area. And then then they started going in and measuring the social dysfunction and brokenness of that very, very Christian city. Mm-hmm. And uh, they measured addictions and murder and crime rates and suicide rates and homelessness and, and found that, that that major urban area that was very, very Christian bumped along the bottom 15, 20% of similar size urban areas around the world. Right. And, uh, and then when they put a microphone in front of pastors and said, what, you know, what do you think about these facts? The pastors almost universally, we just kind of said, well, it's not my problem. It's, it's my problem is my flock. It's my sheep. And, right. and somehow they missed the whole p- purpose of what the church was t- supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's supposed to be a blessing to the nation. When you're planting a church though, you're, I mean, there's so much emphasis on can we even get this thing off the ground that it takes an extra measure of maturity or big sightedness to be able to even look at kingdom issues. Uh, you're so buried in this. So, so how do you, how mm. can you, how do you practically encourage church planters when they're just in the throes of where are we going to meet and who's going to be there and how are we going to pay for it to, to begin to lift their eyes above those things and look to the really significant things and begin thinking about and investing and building their church around kingdom things and not just local things? Such a great question. Um, if you're, you're a church planter and you haven't yet started, you're just sort of dreaming and thinking, <laughs> um, change your sights a bit. And uh, the, the goal that you have as a planter is not to put together, you know, the best worship service, gather the most amount of people and let them listen to your pearls as you sort of exposit the scriptures. That's, that's not, that's not the big picture here. It is how in the world does the name of Jesus Christ get out into this community so that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl can hear and see and taste and smell the good news of Jesus Christ mm. on multiple occasions so that they too can respond to Jesus Christ. Now, if if a worship service is going to be the best way that that can, that can happen, um, you know, that might be. But there's probably, it's been my experience, that there is a, um, uh, a generation of people that are, are all stacking around us that have a, a heart for kingdom things, but they, they, they have checked out of church. Their parents checked out of church. Their grandparents might have checked out of church. They don't feel guilty for not going to church. They see what a church is, uh, you know, really, they see what they think a church is about. And they go on, that's not my priority. I don't want to spend my time doing that. But they will spend their time doing something that they call important. And if your church can, uh, or your church plant can, 
and gather around whatever whatever it is. It might be a social fault line in your community and uh, gather around that thing and bring people with you. <laughs> You'll find that you have all kinds of cooperation amongst uh, the pre-converted, the pre-evangelized. And, uh, and at some point, they, First Peter 3.15 you, <laughs> they want to take a can opener and open you up and find out what in the world is this hope that you have because they're about doing these things. They see the value, but they can only do it in spasms. They can't do it consistently because they don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit living in them. But <laughs> you, you as a Christian can, you know, live a life of selflessness, you know, as you're led by the Holy Spirit, you know, almost nonstop because God can continue to fill you up as you give yourself away. And, uh, and when they see that, it's very attractive to them. All of a sudden, you, you're, you're hitting needs that are all around you, and you're finding um, people that are not yet Christ followers helping you in that process. And in the journey, uh, they get to see the real, the real motivation of your life, your love for Christ, and, and then watch them respond. We just, here in Toronto, we just watched that happen, and it's, it's very, very encouraging. Yeah. Well, you you touch on the fact that you're in Toronto and you've been working there in Canada for a long time. You're Canadian yourself, and uh, and how um, so these these aren't just theories for you. You've you've practiced these ideas of ideas of building a church around the kingdom of God. Can can you just give us a little glimpse of how that's played itself out in Toronto? Well, well, yeah. Our, our, <laughs> I've planted three churches in my life, and. Um, the, the first church, I really didn't know what I was doing. The second church, I, I followed more of a church growth movement idea, and um, and, and used those principles, and um, and was able to grow a church. But it was pretty honestly, we were the script that I was telling myself is, "You guys are gonna love this church. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it." And basically, I was building a church that everybody would love, and. Um, <laughs> And it's pretty hard once you do that to ask them to be kingdom because oh, I was teaching them to be selfish. Oh, wow. And um and so this the third church we said, Okay, um we're gonna do something a little bit different here and that is we're gonna lock the doors. <laughs> we had three three Christian families and there's gonna be no more than that for the first year. <laughs> we had people try to be a part of our core and we didn't let them said, Come and check us out in about a year after and um, we just really, um, we had a vision that we plant not a mega church, but a mother church. That was our mantra. Mm-hmm. And our goal was that we would plant a church that would plant 25 churches in, in uh, the Toronto area by the year 2020. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I, I just I was talking to Andrew Lamb, who's our catalyst here. He said, Jeff, did you know just in the last three years alone, um, it has planted 27 churches. Wow. And, um, so we can just, we can see the, the rollout. And, and when things start multiplying, it's, I mean, the principle of the kingdom of God is always multiplication. Right. And, uh, and when they start multiplying, it's pretty fun. Well, I pray the same sort of thing happens in the DC area. I'm thankful that you've taken time to share these ideas. Thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah. My pleasure, Clinton. Really love what you guys are doing. Well, Jeff and I are both happy to be a part of the North American Mission Board, which is an agency of the Southern Baptist Convention that has as its aim to start new churches in North America. And we're part of a strategy called Send North America that uh, is particularly trying to start new churches or help existing churches start new churches 
in uh, 32 of America's most densely populated urban centers. And if you'd like to learn more about the North American Mission Board or maybe about the Send North America strategy, you could do so by visiting our website at nam.net. That's N-A-M-B dot net. And a special thanks to Jeff Gerstofferson, who took some time to talk to us today. And as always, to Xavier Chapman, who produced and edited today's show. But most of all, I'd like to thank you, who listened to this podcast all the way to the very end. Feel free to learn more about our podcast by visiting our website at clintclifton.org. At the website, you'll find additional posts about church planting and notes and links from today's show.